Hello, and welcome to Wide Open Spaces with Elise, a podcast. This is episode number 117, Travel is Interesting, Post-Pandemic. Check me out at wideopenspaceswithelise.com. Elise is spelled I-L-I-S-E. You can listen to this podcast anywhere you love listening to your favorite podcast. Now let's pop in your earbuds and let's take a ride together. Well, I've had a three-week hiatus. I went on vacation and then I got a cold. As you can hear, my voice is still not 100%, but I'm back and ready to go, refreshed after a vacation. But you know, after a vacation, it's always hard to get back into the groove of things. I've been struggling with the jet lag and just having vacay brain. You all know what that is, that vacation brain. So I had a great time while I was away and my pre-travel was travel anxiety was episode number 116. And I'm going to continue that because I noticed and went through and experienced a lot of things that could cause travel anxiety post-pandemic, things that have changed, that are different. And I think if you're prepared and you do have anxiety or feel really stressed when you travel, knowing some of these things in advance may help you to be prepared to have that coping skills tool chest right there for you. Now, I'm not quite sure how it is in the U.S. as far as traveling. I went to Hawaii last year and things things seem pretty normal the way they do in the U.S. However, traveling abroad has definitely changed. And my trip started out obviously very excited. I haven't gone overseas since pre-pandemic time. So I was really excited. Traveling is just in my DNA. And I love it. We all have passions. And to be completely honest, travel is my passion. I crave it. I yearn it. It's not just about escapism from your life, which a lot of people use travel for. For me, it's more about the visual, and the education, and expanding my knowledge and my understanding of the way people live in all different parts of the world. I mean, we all tend to live in that bubble. If you're not in a profession where you travel a lot, we tend to stay in our bubble, and we may take a trip here and a trip there, but it's so different when you travel abroad or to other countries to see how people live how they cope, how they deal, what are their social norms. And this is what I experienced. So my trip started out flying to New York City. Good old US of A, NYC. We were there for about a day and a half. It was where we were going to fly out from on Air France. And we had a nice time in the city. We went to um, Liberty Bagel, which is home of the Rainbow Bagel. We went to Central Park. We didn't want to do too much because we were going to be traveling. Had some lunch with friends. And so it was a nice little precursor to our trip. Walking around, a little, you know, feel of the NYC city vibe and the taxis and the Ubers and all that that NYC is. And from there, we flew and had a layover in Paris, France. We had a nine and a half hour layover. So do you think I was really going to sit in the airport when 
I had Paris 20 minutes away from me, 40 minutes with traffic? Of course not. We were allowed to leave the airport and we went into the Champs-Élysées. We went shopping. We spent about four hours in Paris. It was really cool. So if you ever have a big layover like that, always check with the embassies and stuff to make sure you're allowed to leave if you're in another country. But it was really amazing. It's not anything I've ever done before. And it was really quite exciting to have that little bit of Paris because if you've heard way back in my beginning of my podcast, how much I love France. So that was exciting. And from there, we flew to Budapest, Budapest, Hungary, and we spent four nights there. And while we were in Budapest, we also traveled to Poland to go to Auschwitz. It's a six hour drive there and a six hour drive back, driving through Poland, Slovakia, from Budapest to Slovakia to Poland. So we were in three different countries at just to go to Auschwitz. And from Budapest, we flew to London, England. Of course, our flight was late. Every trip will have bumps, and we'll discuss that in a few minutes. We had to wait for our other plane, got into Scotland really late, but we had four nights in Scotland, and from there we took the train, the Linner train, from Scotland to London, and we had four nights in London, and then back we flew into Miami to get back home. So this was our trip, our summer trip. It may be the last one where all four of us are together. My one child is gonna be finishing grad school and hopefully having a job and the other one's going off to college and who knows what her summers will look like. So we really did wanna cherish this time. And you all do when you plan a vacation. You have all these hopes and dreams for what your vacation looks like and how hard you plan it, whether you have a travel agent or you plan it yourself, which is what I love to do. It's all part of the experience for me. And so there will be ups and downs when you travel. And I think you really need to tell yourself that before you go. We all have sparkles in our eyes as we get in that car and load our luggage up as we drive to the airport. And we have this excitement, but I think if you have a plan in place of when you have those glitches, you're able to cope better. You're able to handle it better. The stress level may be there, but you were expecting that something might happen. And I don't usually say expect the worst, but when you're traveling and you're in a different environment and you don't know how people are and how things work, your perception of what goes smoothly may be very different from how the people of that particular country think things go smoothly. And I think that's the first thing you need to tell yourself. You know how you always hear, if you're listening to me in another country, you may know this. Many countries, the people don't look upon American citizens in a very positive light. And I'm sure you've all heard that. And if you're listening to me from another country, you may even feel that. And I assume that's the impression you get from what you see on TV. Americans are viewed as very entitled and wanting everything. And I guess from an outsider's perspective, looking at it and looking how people live in different parts of the world, I could see that. 
I also think it's the attitudes that the Americans come in with, very entitled into a new country. And if you are from another country, maybe give a recommendation. It's not that we're coming in rude or we expect you to cater to us. Our lifestyles are different and the way we live our lives are very different than you may live your life. And so a little bit of understanding and kindness. Now, if someone's rude to you, no, that's not acceptable. But maybe understand a little bit the way I'm expecting as a U.S. citizen when I travel to another country to be respectful and try to look at it differently because people live, think, breathe differently in different parts of the world. And so I think that would be my first tip that I would give you is go with an open mind. Try not to have that entitled feeling that, well, this is the way we do it in America and this is the way it should be done everywhere. If you go in with that mindset, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be anxious and you're going to get frustrated because they do not live the way we live and we do not live the way they live. And neither is right nor wrong. It's just the way the cultures are. We're a very new country and a lot of these countries overseas are deep, deep, deep in history. Where America is new and a land of opportunity and of immigrants from all over the world. So you create this melting pot and it becomes what we are today. But as you travel abroad, keep it in mind that things are done a little differently. They're definitely a little more laid back in a lot of the countries I went to, where Americans are go, 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 go. Here's a silly way you might feel anxious. It's a silly thing but it's just the way we are. When you go to eat in a restaurant in Europe, they are very slow. I assume it's about a meal is a blessing and you should enjoy every moment of it and every process of it. And it moves very slow. Now, if you've been to the US or you live in the US, we do not move slow. We move very fast. We expect to go into a restaurant, eat, chit chat, and leave. That's not the way it is when you go to Europe. And so be patient and be understanding that this is not their norms. This is not the way they do it. The way they look at a meal is just this whole experience. Every meal, from little meals to big meals, it's an experience. And if you allow yourself to go in with the mindset that this is gonna take a while and I'm gonna enjoy every step and every process and watch how they serve the food and watch how proud they are of the dishes and the food that they describe to you and the wines and the drinks and the appetizers and, and the breads. Enjoy, that's part of their culture. So if you run in and you run out and you make reservations at this restaurant that's supposed to be like the it place to eat, but you're not, taking the time to enjoy and you're getting frustrated because you want the check and you want to leave and you want to get on to the next thing, you're losing part of that experience and your anxiety and stress level raise. And if the people you're with are doing it and you're trying to be calm, have a conversation with them, either pre-trip or while you're there. 
I know that happened on our trip and I could see my leg starting to shake because I was getting stressed because they wanted to leave and they wanted to go. And I'm like, try to take it all in, try to enjoy it. And there were times where I was like, where's the check? Where's the check in my head? Because it was taking a while. So I think that's a, a small stressor, but it's a stressor. Nonetheless, prepare yourself for it. To eat slow, to take your time, to enjoy the experience as well as the meal. Okay, <clears throat> travel. We all know that travel is different post-pandemic. If you're expecting people to be wearing masks, they do, most don't. So you have to keep it to yourself that if you choose to wear a mask, and for me, it's mostly on the plane, and I know they say the plane air is probably more clean because it's recirculated. It's just a sense of security for me because you're just sitting so close to people. And I mean, if I could tell you how many times I heard people hacking up a cough or blowing their nose, it just makes me feel better. But I also can't get angry that if the stranger sitting next to me isn't wearing a mask. It's post-pandemic. And I think for people that I've spoken to over the past year or so with things changing and getting back to normal, that creates a lot of anxiety for some people when they're traveling and they're wearing a mask and people aren't wearing masks. And I understand it, truly I do. But I think you need to be realistic. Most people don't, you see people definitely all over, all the places I visited, there were people all deaf and nationalities, wearing masks. But there was most people who weren't. And you just have to learn that this is post-pandemic. And if that is something that you feel like people should be doing, you have to understand that the world has now evolved from that. And I know for some people in my discussions, the mask kind of becomes a little bit of a security blanket in more than one way, it gives you that sense of being protected. And if you're not protected, what's going to happen to you? And it also is a way to separate you socially, to not be so cognizant of what your facial expressions look like when someone's talking to you. And you might be going, what? Right now, but it's true. There are many people who still wear the mask as a sense of security as a way to kind of put a barrier between themselves and others. And yes, it's something you should work on because everybody should see your beautiful smile and the way your eyes light up with that smile. And so if you are using the mask as a security way to kind of separate you from others, something you really should try to work on and eliminate the mask other than being in situations where you feel it's very crowded. I don't I don't look on anybody. If you're in a crowded situation and it makes you feel good, did I wear a mask on the plane there? Yes, did I wear a mask on the plane coming back? No. It was just all how, how I felt. But that can be a stressful anxiety provoker. So just go with, you're gonna do what you're gonna do, but others are gonna do what they wanna do. And you can't look down on them and you can't be frustrated. And I'm saying this from personal experience because I experienced it. I was on a bus tour in Scotland. And you know how the back of the buses have those uh, like four or five seats, like long seats. 
seats in the back that kind of line the back. Well, a family sat back there. And my one daughter and I were right in front of them. That's where we found a seat. As we're driving around, the person behind me is coughing and blowing their nose and just didn't sound good. I don't need to describe it. And then I hear the person tell their other person, we really need to get me medicine. I'm not feeling good. I don't want to get worse. My daughter and I are looking at each other. Why are you wearing a mask? This is what's going on in our head. And we become more and more frustrated and more and more agitated. And it's affecting our trip. The fact that this person who's obviously very sick is not wearing a mask. Do I expect them to cancel their vacation because they're sick? No, I wouldn't. Do I expect them to not go on this tour because they're sick? No, I wouldn't. But it would have been nice if they wore a mask. So it started to affect my daughters and my experience because we kept hearing her cough and we would look at it and we were getting angry because we felt like, oh my gosh, we're going to get what she has. As I look back, I wish I would have just let it go. It caused me stress. It caused me anger. I got frustrated. As soon as we got off the, bu the bus for one stop, we ran someplace and found a mask. It was very obvious at that point when we got on the bus why we were wearing a mask. But as this person walked past me to go to their seat, she blows in my face and I, all I smell is her Hall's cough drop. And now I'm like, oh darn, that's it. I'm done. I'm toast. I'm going to be sick. And after she started to talk to me and she was a very nice lady and you know, whatever, it is what it is. And lo and behold, the last two days of my trip, about uh, four days after that occurrence, I was sick. Can I say it was her, from her directly? No. Was it probably? Yeah, I smelled her halls. Her breath was in my face. And so the moral of the story is, I'm traveling. It really isn't realistic of me to expect that people will do what I do. If I had a cold and I was on a bus tour and coughing and sneezing and blowing my nose, I would have wore a mask. But I can't expect that other person to. They live their life the way they want, the way they choose. Did I suffer the consequences? Yes. But I got sick no matter what. So that anxiety that she was causing me, the frustration, the conversations I was having with my daughter about it, buying the mask was all for nothing because I got sick anyways. Moral of the story, this is one of those bumps in the road that happen when you're traveling. Try to go with the flow. You're with thousands of people, sometimes in very small circumstances, close together. You chose to travel. These are all the things that can happen when you travel. And so if you're worried about this, then maybe you shouldn't travel. And my lesson learned, which I will take with me on my further travels is, it is what it is. I chose to travel, which then will put me with people who might be sick, who may sneeze in my face or cough in my face or breathe in my face. I have to accept that that is part of the experience and just to let it go. And when I got sick, I pushed through. I felt like crap. My body hurt everywhere, but I still went and did what I was going to do because I was in London. And I had things that I had planned and spent money on. And so with caution, I went about my business and finished up my trip, pushing through, feeling sick. So be realistic. 
if you have this post-pandemic fear of getting sick, of not wanting to be close to people, of always wanting people to wear masks and you wearing masks, then maybe you should reevaluate where you're choosing to travel. It's part of travel. We are post-pandemic, but COVID is still out there. There's still this new surge this summer. They say it's not as bad. Maybe that's what I had. I don't know. Obviously, in London, I didn't have COVID tests with me. But if these are fears that have kind of hung on, you've hung on to since COVID, and you haven't really been able to work through it, then maybe contemplate traveling too far until you work on not wearing the mask as much, feeling more comfortable around people. And if if this is becoming like a thing for you, then really reach out to professional because you really need to start to not let it affect how you live your life. And if it does, then it's something that needs to be worked through to build your coping skills so that you can go out. And for me, it's just learning not to get angry and frustrate about it. I made a choice to go away. That choice means possibly getting sick. Okay, another post-pandemic observation. I can say this because I've traveled. I've traveled to Italy, Croatia, Greece, France, now London and Scotland and Hungary and Poland, Slovakia. Um, where else? Uh, some other places that aren't coming to mind. Hawaii in the United States, Costa Rica. So I have a baseline, I would say, of how people are in other countries when you travel. It's different now. I will say it is different. I don't know if it's because we were separated from humans for so long that the social norms and the social etiquette has changed greatly. And it's really honestly disturbing. And it's something you really need to prepare yourself for. And I did a little bit because I see it here in the U.S. How people's interactions are, are different and haven't changed since the pandemic. But what I noticed is, number one, customer service has never been great anywhere you go. I mean, if you haven't noticed, it's gone downhill in the United States greatly. But when I would go abroad, the customer service was always so great, attentive, and knowing that you're on this trip and the tour companies or the hotels or the airlines want to make the most of it for you, the best experience. Well, post-pandemic, it's not the same. I noticed that the professionals are not patient, get easily agitated with their customers, Things that were not acceptable before are now acceptable. And I mean things that are that you should expect are just a given when you stay in a hotel or someplace. Those standards are not the same. The customer service is just not great. And you can sit and you can get frustrated and you can let it affect your time. And your vacation is a short little span of time. So how much of it do you want to be frustrated with? I'm going to list some things off that happened. 
Some things I got frustrated with. Some things I was just astonished at seeing, shocked at seeing. Um, and these are, I'm giving you these examples. So if you are going to travel, you just kind of have it in your mind. I'm trying to give you scenarios that will prepare you. So when things do, and maybe they won't, maybe everything will go perfect, smoothly, beautiful, lovely, or maybe they won't. And so this way you're a little bit more prepared. So we are late for a connecting flight to Scotland from Budapest. We flew to London and we were late. So we had to wait to our next flight. Well, for some reason, for hours, there's no gate for this flight. And it's getting closer to the time. And my husband's going all over asking people because they said that the number that was on our ticket was not an actual gate. Don't ask me, I don't understand. This is in London. <laughs> how they have a number on everybody's ticket and there is no gate. Well, finally it gets squared away and you see on the boards and we were told what the gate was. And we were one of the first people at the gate. Now, normally at the gate, there's a counter and there's a staff for the airlines. And if you have any questions or anything, you go up to this desk, you wait in line and you ask questions. Well, at British Airways, there was the desks. There was long lines with ropes that were roped off. So you could not physically go up to ask any questions. They were keeping the customers at a huge distance away from them. Now, if this was during the global pandemic, I get it, but we're post-pandemic. Well, this elderly man comes up and he's not sure if this is his gate because of all the com commotion and confusion. And he's standing at these, these um, ropes that are stopping you from getting anywhere near the staff to ask a question. So he waves down one of the staff to ask, is this the right gate for Scotland flight, whatever. She's yelling. And when I say yelling, she's yelling telling him to sit down. And he's just trying to get his question answered. And she keeps saying, sit down, sir. Sit down, sir. He's, I just wanna make sure, sit down, sir. I honestly was in shock. I have never, ever, I get it when, when a customer is rude to staff, that staff will be firm, I get that. This was an elderly man. The gates had changed three times. He just had a quick question, but you can't go up to them to ask the question. So he's waving them down yelling and she's yelling. When I say rude and demeaning, it was rude and demeaning. My mouth was literally on the floor. I was like, okay, I guess this is a new way that we treat our customers when we're traveling. <clears throat> it was upsetting to say the least. It was what it was. I felt bad for this poor man, but this is post-pandemic travel. The planes and flying are very different. The customer service that way is just not the same either. So just be prepared that you don't always get those same smiling faces. 
when you are in the airport, when you are getting on the plane and the staff that's on the plane. I will say, and maybe she stood out because we experienced some moodiness from staff on the different airlines that we chose, but this particular airline, this staff was fabulous. It was on our way back to Miami. And this one flight attendant just always said lovely with this beautiful smile on her face. And just, she kind of brought back my faith in the traveling with flying in the airport because I was like, what is going on here? Where is the customer service? I mean, do I expect you to bow down to me and get on your knees? Absolutely not. But I expect you to treat me equally. I paid a lot of money for my ticket and I just want respect. And somewhere that respect has gotten lost. And it wasn't just one airlines and it wasn't just one airport that I witnessed this in. So I feel like I have a little bit of a sample from the different places. So then when you have this one flight attendant who was lovely, like she would always say, and her eyes would light up and just caring and kind, it brings back your faith in humanity and hoping that things will get back to that level. I don't expect you to be someone who has a smile planted on your face from ear to ear all the time. But when I'm talking to you and I'm being pleasant to you, I just expect the same in return. So if that's something that's like one of your pet peeves, be prepared for it. Hopefully you'll have a better experience than I did or that I witnessed to this man. But the whole process of traveling from one place to the other has just become more cumbersome and more frustrating and more irritating. So keep that in mind so that you can just maintain your frustration tolerance level. Walk away, take a deep breath. Don't respond to a response from a staff member that you think is not very polite or whatever. Just realize that it's different now in post-pandemic world. I did witness happy things also. Before I move on to some of the happy things, there's one more experience I will share with you. Now, I don't know if you're these people who travel and go on tours. We try to do a balance, tours and not tours. But we found over the years that if you don't do a tour, even if you're driving, which we would never drive because it was on the opposite side of the road in Scotland and London, not in Budapest. But we take these tours so that we can be educated and hear, hear the stories. And as they point out things as you're driving, the history behind the land that you're visiting and the places. And most of the tours that we've been on in the past, you get off the bus, the tour guide walks you to different areas, gives you a little bit of an educational thing about the place you're visiting. And then they may let you off to do a little exploring on your own. Okay, that doesn't exist anymore in the places I went to visit. Every tour, it was really just like they were our driver. Even the smaller tours, which I've been on, that I've paid more money for, to have more of a personal experience, just a driver. There is no, do you see that historical building over there as we're passing on the right? This is the place where, oh no, there's none of that anymore. They've become your driver. The bus tours. Eh, a little bit of it, but mostly they're putting music from Scotland or wherever you are. They're playing it over, which is nice, but there's not a lot of commentary about 
the land that you're passing and pointing things out. And then as soon as you get to your destination, and this was every single tour we went on, okay, I expect you to be back at this time in this spot. There's this, there's the town, there's the bathroom. See you later. Wow. It was a big disappointment. And maybe this is just the trend that it will be in. And maybe I will have to reevaluate what I do and travel, but expect it. I was in different countries and it was the same everywhere. And it was quite shocking. And it wasn't just me. This is my whole family's perception. And we're all different ages. So it wasn't just that I was this crotchety woman who was just frustrated that things weren't the way they used to be pre-pandemic. This was my whole family from 18 years old and up. Seeing the differences and the changes and, and just the lack of interaction. It's about all about interaction. And these tour guides try to keep the minimal interaction with you. They're the driver, they give you a little info, see you later alligator. And I, I really think it's a post pandemic thing. We even were waiting for this tour. We were going to the Warner Brothers Studios in London. If you've never been there and you're going to London and you're a Harry Potter fan, OMG, you must go. I am not the hugest, I love Harry Potter, but I'm not like my kids where they know everything and all the words. I, I can't remember one movie from the next. But at the Warner Brothers Studios outside of London, all the props, all the stages, all, everything that was in Harry Potter, the actual things, and the way they did this Harry Potter type museum interactive experience was fabulous. So just a little pointer there, if you happen to be in London, you love Harry Potter or your kids, fantastic for kids. Even though my youngest is 18, we still like to put things in that she would enjoy a little more and she loves Harry Potter. But before we ever got to Warner Brothers, we had a private tour that was supposed to drive us from our airport, from our hotel to Warner Brothers, which was a little over an hour, hour and a half away. Well, we're outside our hotel, prompt, nothing, nothing, nothing. 20 minutes go by, we decide to call the tour company. Oh, your driver's running a little late. He'll be there any minute. Okay, fine, I get it. You've been to London. The traffic is atrocious. I'm sorry if you live there. I live out, you know, in the Everglades and even the, even New York City doesn't seem as bad as London traffic. I don't know. For me, it was quite overwhelming. And I understood it takes a long time. 10 minutes could take you 30 minutes just to get somewhere in a car. So we're waiting. Now it's been 45 minutes. Okay. We have this time that we're supposed to be at Warner Brothers, our check-in time. That's our tickets. So the later they get, the more agitated we get, the more upset we get. We get back on the phone. Oh, he's almost there. He's almost there. Not almost there. An hour goes by. Not there. Well, now we're getting angry with the people on the phone. And rightly so. We've paid for this. We could have slept an hour later. My kids could have slept an hour later. I mean, it was getting frustrating. And the lack of customer service and care from the person on the phone that your customer has now been waiting an hour. You could hear me getting angry as I'm telling you this is waiting an hour and you're not caring. It's very frustrating. What happened to, I'm so sorry, you know, 
I know you paid for this. We'll add an extra hour on at the end. We'll take some money, whatever. Compensation. Forget the compensation. Just common courtesy and care. Well, finally, our driver gets there, probably almost an hour and a half late, proceeds to tell us that they gave him a job before he came for ours that was a three-hour driving job, and that's why he was late. Bad customer service. I have never experienced this before with any tour company, no matter where I've gone, especially when it's a private tour. Just you. Not a private tour that he did a tour three hours before ours, and now he's an hour and a half late for ours. So the the lack of, of courtesy and and um, accepting that you're at fault, that your tour is starting an hour and a half late, your customers have been waiting outside their hotel for an hour and a half waiting for you, and now you're going to get, and you hope that the Warner Brothers is going to let you in late. So whatever, we get there, it's fine, okay. We had a pickup time, but of course we said to our driver, well, we have an extra hour and a half now, right? Because we got here an hour and a half late. Oh yeah, don't worry about it. When you're ready to be picked up about a half hour before, call the company, they'll send somebody. So it's now it's not even the same guy who's gonna be picking us up. Well, all of a sudden, when it's the hour and a half original time that we're supposed to leave, my husband's getting texts from the driver. You need to be here in 15 minutes. You need. To, my husband's like, no, you got us here an hour and a half late. I need that hour and a half. When I tell you that it was arguing back and forth between the driver and my husband, and then my husband having to call the company, this is all while we're at Warner Brothers Studio trying to enjoy with my kids the Harry Potter place. This is going on. Am I griping? Yes. Am I salty? Yes. Why am I sharing this with you? Because unfortunately, this is post-pandemic travel. And I think <clears throat> now that I have this knowledge, I will go into it thinking differently. I will plan differently. Absolutely. And I will research even more in depth the companies that I choose. There's just a lack of concern, care, customer service, I'm sorry attitude. And I think it's all because the social norms were broken. The social etiquette, we were separated from people for so long. You still get into the London cabs and it doesn't bother me at all. And there's this huge plexiglass and there's little, little area for them so you can hear them. And they even put a microphone on now so you can hear them. And they kept the plexiglass up. Okay, that's fine. I don't care. I'm not the driver who's exposed to 1,000 people a day. But it does create a barrier between you and your driver and that person-to-person -person experience, part of being in a taxi, part of being fun in a London-type taxi. So the one-on-one -on -one interactions, the personal interactions are poor in the places that I've traveled. Budapest as well. Scotland as well. So it's not that it's just one country. Poland as well. It's just something that I just think that I don't know if it'll come back over time or this is just the new way people interact with each other. And it's just not as pleasant. And you can feel the anger and the frustration where people would keep it kind of tucked away. They're showing it much more. I saw arguments. I saw fights. 
between people on the on my trip on tours and arguing things that I've never seen before and I just think people must have forgotten really how to interact amongst crowds and people I don't know be prepared for this be prepared for those kind of experiences but on the flip side okay now obviously this is a mental health podcast and I had to give you some of those negative experiences. Why? Because I got anxious, because I got stressed, because I got angry and frustrated. And so through my experiences, I just wanna help you prepare just a little bit. You can't avoid these things. Just like I said, your trip might go smoothly. You may not miss any connections. Everything goes great. Everybody's lovely and beautiful and kind and caring and on time. Or you may experience some of the glitches that I did. And basically for your mental health, I just want you to be prepared. I don't want you to go into these travels expecting that things will be the way they were pre-pandemic. There's definitely a trend. Books will be written about this. I've said this before. And I'm seeing it as I get out there more now and travel. It's just beyond what I even thought studies would be about post-pandemic behaviors and lifestyles. It really goes deep into every little crevice and corner. Now the great experiences. Remember how I talked about being patient in the restaurants because it's an experience for them? Well, we were exhausted. We had done a seven and a half mile walk, Buckingham Palace, Tower of London, yada, yada, yada. And we're trying to find a place to eat. And my husband walks into this very lovely restaurant. I wish I remembered the name. You go upstairs. When I tell you the service, and we were dressed, you know, like in, in tourist clothes. It's hot. We're walking around. We're sweaty. This beautiful restaurant. They welcome us in whether we're dressed appropriately or not. And the whole meal was this beautiful process. It was Italian. And they were teasing my one daughter to order her food in Italian the way it was written on the menu. And it was this whole really great experience. And because at that point, it was closer to the end of our trip, we knew things were slow and the way Europe does takes their time and there's a beauty in that. We really enjoyed this meal. Every little part of it, everything that our server said to us, every way that they prepared and served the food to us was just an experience. So if you can go into it in that mind frame that, Things are different. It's not America. They don't do things the way the Americans do. Adapt and really enjoy. You could have an extremely lovely experience in many of the restaurants. We were in great restaurants in Hungary and Scotland and in, in London as well. We went to a place called the Happy London, which was ranked the top restaurant in London in 2022. And it was fun and it was exciting. There's all kinds of great places that have all these great experiences. So take that in, in your planning. Now, I talked badly about all the tours I went on. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I did go on two great, great tours. So I'm going to plug it so you can see how there's great experiences. We were in Budapest, and our first tour was a tuk-tuk tour. Why tuk-tuk? I didn't want to walk miles and miles and miles like I did in London. And we've done tuk-tuk and they're really fun. So if you've never done a tuk-tuk and you're maybe you're going to a hot place and you just want to be with just your people you're traveling with, it's a great way to do a tour. Open air, winds in your face, fabulous. 
<clears throat> excuse me. And we had a great Tuk Tuk tour driver and tour guide. And he took us through Buddha and Pesh and explained everything the way all those other tours I felt should have been. And they were in the past, but they're obviously no longer like that. So this was the way we started out our trip and it kind of went downhill from there. But it was a great way to see Buddha and Pesht. And he made it so pleasant. And we learned about the history and, and the architecture and the people. And what's the difference between Buddha and Pesht, the economic, the socioeconomic. So it's very interesting and it was a great, great tour. So I definitely recommend less anxiety, less people. You get to kind of control the tuk-tuk when it's just you and your people you're traveling with of where you might want to see certain things or spend a little more time. So it's a great way to avoid that anxiety and that stress and that frustration in those bigger type tour experiences. So consider a tuk-tuk. I did one in Switzerland also. They're usually all over in all the countries, Rome, everywhere. They have tuk-tuk tours. So if you want to avoid those big crowds and those big tour buses, it's a great way to tour. We also did a tour where we were taken by a private driver to a small private winery. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, many of you have been to wineries and done wine tours. I've done it with friends, family. This was a very, the way they have these little small private wineries in Budapest. And they're not commonplace and they don't have big tour groups coming. They're just these like, almost like little mom and pop wineries. And so this tour that we picked, that's where they took us. And it was a beautiful setting um, inside the building, the brick building and, and the spread, the food and the wine. But what was, besides that experience, it was the owner of the winery. He was speaking in his native language from Hungary and our tour guide was the translator. And even though he wasn't speaking the same language as us, the pride that exuded from him in this traditional family winery that they've had in their family for years and how he's passing it down to his sons and just the pride and the way he explained the foods that he gave us and the wines and the way it was just such a wonderful experience and again it was small it wasn't with crowds and so it was besides the fact that you're drinking wine it was a very relaxing experience calming point i'm trying to get is it's different to travel now and if you know that you get frustrated or agitated or people not wearing masks makes you uncomfortable or anxious of being in these crowds and being on these big buses, there's alternative ways that you can see, still see the things you want to see just by choosing more appropriate things to help you avoid some of those moments where your anxiety can rise. Now you need to be realistic. You're going to get anxious on vacation. You're going to get stressed out and you're probably going to get frustrated and agitated. It's the way you handle it and the way you deal with it. And I think if you go in with that mindset, your travel can be beautiful. And though I told you about the glitches, I had a fantastic time. I saw and I met people and I saw the way Budapest, if you've never been to Budapest, phenomenal. It's like a city that never sleeps. It's unbelievable. Places and restaurants are open 3 a.m. You can just walk in and get a slice of pizza. The park there, people are just sitting on the grass at 2 a.m. having you know a snack with their friends. There's a big Ferris wheel. There's music. 
There's the chimney cakes that are that are famous in Hungary. I, I had them in Prague when I was there. The ice cream that they make look like a rose flower. Budapest is amazing. And it's also a place where I felt probably the most comfortable and the least anxious. So it's a great place also to visit. People are wonderful. People are kind. People are nice. I want to end with a story. Traveling is individual and personal. And you really should plan it and not set yourself up for things that you know may cause an elevation in certain feelings with inside of you that could affect your trip. Be very calculated in how you plan it and what you do. Don't over plan if you get overwhelmed. Keep it simple. I know we get in that feeling where I want to see everything. That's me. But then by the time the trip's over, I'm exhausted. But that's still me and I still don't change it because if I slowed it down, then I would be like, oh, I wished I did this and this. But if you feel like you just can't handle it, just do the basics. If you go to Rome, go to the Colosseum. Go to the Vatican. You don't have to go all over to the Spanish Steps and the Trevi Fountain. Yes, are those the main sites? But if it's too much for you, don't not go because of that. Pick and choose what you decide to see. Take those smaller type tools, tours and personal tours. There's beauty in everywhere you look. When you travel abroad, you really get a vision that how different people live in the world and appreciate it. I've seen so many different places in my travels and every place I go, Budapest, France, Scotland, London, I gain an appreciation for the way they live. They live very differently than the way I live. Different environment, different the way their housing is, everything. And it's so important to appreciate the way people live. We walk down to Notting Hill, you know the movie Notting Hill. And in the street, unexpectedly, are all these vendors selling food and jewelry. It was so wonderful. Like, this was during the week. This was not a weekend. It was just kind of cool. You just walk there and there's this, there. it's just there. This is the way they live if you live in Notting Hill. How cool is that? And so travels aren't about just about being with your friends and family and having a great time. It's also appreciating and taking in your environment, taking in the smells and the sights. We had such great pizza in Budapest, just a little pizza place called Pizza Me. We walked into, we got pizza another night just because, but you have to take those chances. Don't go into the restaurants that you see all over the place. Yeah, Starbucks is everywhere, but there's also other places. Costa Coffee, that's a big thing in Europe. Try all those different things. Immerse yourself, really get a feel for the way people live. It expands your knowledge, it expands your understanding, and it really makes you even more human because you understand the world just a little bit better by the way people live differently. It's like in New York City, right? Most people walk, take the train, take the subway. They don't do that where I live. Just going to New York is an educational experience if you've never been there and you live in a place like I do in South Florida. So always keep your eyes and ears open. And I want to share one last, I guess, warm heart um, scenario, situation that we experienced to end this podcast with. 
And I know this podcast has been quite long, but I wanted to share my travels to help you make your travels everything you want it to be. It was late and it was London and we wanted to have a dessert. And so my daughter's big on TikTok and finding out where TikTokers like to go. So we found this waffle type place where they do these decadent waffle desserts. Nothing fancy. Walked in, two gentlemen own it, ordered our food, sat down in the back in a booth. This woman comes in, apparently, visually, she looks like she's homeless with all of her things. And she sits down in a booth across from us. And all of a sudden I see the owner bring her a hot cup of water. And she pulls out her own tea bag and she puts it in and she's making her tea. And just from observation, I'm assuming this was close to closing time in the restaurant. I wish I remembered the restaurant, the waffle dessert place restaurant's name. Obviously, this is a common occurrence and they allow her to come in close to closing and they maybe other times they give her other things, but this time it was just hot water for tea. And, you know, she's watching my family eat this decadent, I mean, mine was a waffle with Nutella and Rocher candy. You, you get the picture, right? Other waffles had strawberries and syrup and whipped cream. And here's this homeless woman sitting there making her cup of tea with going through all her things and looking at all her things that she has in her cart. And I felt horrible. I mean, I could cry right now just telling you it. Here I'm eating this decadent thing and she's homeless. And yeah, I know that's not my fault, but it's still sad to see. And maybe this is the way she likes it. I've worked with many homeless people and they just becomes part of who they are and that's their comfort zone. Maybe, I don't know. So I got up and she stopped me and she said, could you please ask him for more hot water? I said, of course. My family's starting to throw away their leftovers because this was huge things. We could have shared one. And there she is homeless and we're throwing away these leftovers. But I don't want to offer her my leftovers like, here, here's my scraps. That's just not who I am. And so I'm thinking as I'm getting her the hot water, and I walk back and I said, here you are. And she's like, thank you so much. You're Americans, aren't you? And I said, yes, I guess you could tell by our accent. Well, she's American too. She starts telling us how she used to live in Boston. And she was part of, I guess, the Jehovah Witnesses was her church she went to. And starts telling me stories about how kind people were there. And, you know, we seem like such a lovely family. And we just chatted for a little bit. And then I gave her 10 pounds. And she said, she looked at me and I said, please go buy yourself a dinner or whatever you choose with this. And she was just so grateful. Now, I could have just handed her money and walked away. And I've done that in the past. But I wanted to make a connection with her. She had kind eyes and we had this beautiful connection and conversation between us. And it really was beautiful to not... You know, you see people when they see homeless people, they walk the other way. Many of them do have mental illness, and I understand it can be a little unnerving. 
we witnessed that in near Windsor Castle where there was a gentleman just yelling inappropriate words and kids were walking by. I understand. But in this situation, I wanted to connect with this woman. I wanted to connect with this other human being who maybe this is the way she chose to live her life. Maybe it's not. But I wanted to connect with her on a human level, which is what I felt was lost in a lot of the interactions that I had throughout this vacation and travels. And I ended my trip with this great connection with this woman who used to live in Boston, who now lives in London, who has this little routine of coming into this quaint little waffle dessert shop where they take care of her and they're kind enough to allow her to come in, to allow her sit in her restaurant with their customers and to give her sustenance in whatever way they choose. And it was a connection that I will always remember. So I wished her well, my family wished her well. And as we walked out, my kids had a smile on their face and that connection made up for all the negative connections and things that happened throughout our trip. So travel is interesting post pandemic and prepare yourself. And if you prepare yourself, you will have the best trip that you could imagine. It's all about knowing your weaknesses and your strengths, preparing that coping skills toolbox and being ready to go out there post pandemic. It's different. It's interesting. It's still a beautiful world. There's still beautiful places to visit and beautiful people out there. It's just a little different and we have to try to adapt to the difference. Thank you so much for joining me at Wide Open Spaces with Elise. I explored all my wide open spaces this summer and beautiful places and beautiful people. Prepare yourself. That's all it takes is putting a little effort into your plans and the way you handle your travel. Remember, positive thoughts always create that positive energy. Remember that as you travel. And thank you for this extra long podcast, letting me share my travels with you. And until next week, my friends, ciao.